Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. It is moving right along with 2021, over halfway done with August. But for these last two Sundays of August, we wanted to start a brand new collection of talks called Come and See. If you want to get your note cards out, if you want to get ready to take notes at home, wherever you're watching from, over these next two weeks, we're going to be in a collection of talks called Come and See. And we're going to be walking through a chapter in the Bible that I think is really important for us to pay attention to. It's actually one of the most relational chapters, one of the most relational teachings Jesus does when he's walking the earth. We believe in Jesus here at Local City. We believe he has saved us, forgiven us, and set us free. And in Luke chapter 15, we see these incredible stories about what the heart of God looks like. We see these incredible stories of just what Jesus came to do. I want you to know today that Jesus is here for you, that God loves you and cares for you and cares about you. And that we see in Luke 15 is there's three different stories. Maybe you've heard of them before. There's the story of the lost sheep. There's the story of the lost coin. And then there's the story of the prodigal son. And these stories are called parables. And parables were stories that Jesus used to illustrate the point of what he was talking about. I don't know about you, but I love stories. I think stories are really powerful, just like Ryan's story that we just watched. When we hear his testimony and we see what he's gone through and see what God has brought him out of, it's powerful. And our one statement that we have for people is, hey, just come and see what it's like. I think that's one of the best responses if you ever invite someone to church and they're like, well, why should I come? Just come and see. Just come once and see what could happen in your life. Just come once and see the message that God has for you. Just come once and see the experience that it's like to be in a life-giving community with people who believe in you and care about you and want the best for you. And most importantly, come and see what it's like to have a relationship with God come and see. Come and see what this place is all about. For us, Local City is a place that you can call home, a place that you can belong before you believe. We walk people through the four things, helping you experience God, make friends, find purpose, and dream again with your life. Come on, if you're not dead, God's not done. There's more for you out there, and we want to help you build that and help you see it. Come and see. And sometimes it's really fun. Sometimes it's just an exciting honor to be able to do what we do. If you were to come and see what my house is like, you would see that we've got an awesome three-year-old little son, Shepherd, who runs the house, who's amazing. Had a little bit of a scare this weekend. He's doing okay, though, just so you know, to preface the story. But yesterday, we were getting ready to go on a little play date with some friends from the church here. And Shepherd runs up to my wife, Adrienne, and he goes, Mommy, swallowed a penny. What? <laughs> like, what did, what did you say? And then through the little, like, back and forth, I'm not still 100% sure that he swallowed a penny, but he's doing okay, and uh, we just have to check, you know, his pull up a little bit more to see if that penny shows up. But it's one of those things where statements like that, whoa, I didn't know if I want to come and see that, Shepherd. That's a little crazy. You're stressing me out a little bit. But homes have different experiences, right? And for us, when this is a place that you can call home, we all have different experiences. Maybe your kid's not telling you he swallowed it a penny, but maybe you got some other stressful stuff going on in your home or going on in your life. This is a place where we can come together 
and find encouragement, find strength, to find joy. Really today, what I want you, to, what I want to talk about, the topic of our conversation, the title of our message is this: Today, the lost be found. Underline that word "found" for me, because I love the idea of finding things. Let's be honest, how many of you guys ever lost something before? Anyone? Okay. Where are my like chronic keys losers, all right? Chronic phone losers out there? Not Sorry, losers is a hard word. Uh, chronic, like you lost it before, right? Keys, phone, all of the above. I've been in the place where I've been running around the house trying to get out to work or getting out to a meeting and I'll be saying, hey, where's my glasses? I cannot find my glasses, forgetting that I'm wearing the glasses that I'm looking for. And we love finding things, though. There's joy when we find something that we thought that we lost. But what I love about Luke 15 and what you can come and see and how we can really lean into what Jesus is talking about is that in all these three stories, there's something that is lost. Then there is someone who searches for it to be found. And then after that happens, there's a celebration, there's a party, there is joy in the house. I want you to know today that not only do we celebrate when people fall in love with Jesus here and trust him with their life, but I want you to know that heaven's celebration is even louder. Angels are celebrating that, hey, you are in the family of God now. You've said yes to him. You've realized who Jesus is and who you are. But I love Jesus, right? I love the people that he associated with. Look what it says in Luke chapter 15, one through three. It says this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. I love this last line, even eating with them. How dare you, Jesus? Do you know who these people are? They're not just sinners, they're notorious sinners. I love what it says in the message version. The writer kind of writes it down this way. By this time, a lot of men and women of questionable reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. I love this line. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. That's a word we use a lot. Oh, that's just triggering, right? <laughs> well, when the, the religious leaders and scholars and Pharisees begin to complain kind of out loud in the middle of Jesus's conversation with people, how dare you surround yourself with these type of people? They growl, they grumble, and Jesus simply responds with this beautiful story that we're about to see. And I believe what we've built here at Local City is around what you see in Luke 15. I think it's really important as the pastor of this church to share with you values that we've built this thing around so that it can speak clearly to you and speak clearly to those of us who are trying to invite into this place. And the first thing is that Jesus is our hope. See, what we see in Luke 15 is this amazing story of a good shepherd, of someone who doesn't give up to find something, of a beautiful father who is waiting for his son to return. And what you see in that story is that it's all pointing to Jesus. I love what we've written down here. We got together with some of our team years ago and wrote down these powerful statements about Jesus is our hope, is that our hope is real. Did you know that? Our hope has a name and that name is Jesus. We clear the way so people can become best friends with Jesus. We are a stepping stool so people can meet Jesus. Everything we do points people to him. Everything that we're doing today, there's one objective. And it's for you to see Jesus a little bit more clearly than you did before you walked in today. 
It's for you to see Jesus in a view of relationship rather than religion, rather than tradition, rather than ritual. But as relationally, he cares for you and cares about you and that he is our hope. The second thing though is what we're doing right now and that's people are our heart. Everything that we do is to serve others. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command? He says, well, come and see, this is the greatest command. Love God and love others. Love God and love the people around you. Well, what about the ones who disagree with me? Nope, love those. What about those people who make me angry? Nope, love those. Love God and love people. People are our heart. We include, we empower, and we love relentlessly. We learn names and we learn stories. We give people a place and a chance. I love that statement. Your place is here and you have a chance to experience the life that Jesus has for you. God is passionate about his people and so are we and we make room because there is always room. Luke 15 shows us that Jesus' arms were opened wide, not pushed out at a distance like this, saying, not no more or not you. What Jesus was doing in telling these stories that we're about to read through is at the time, Pharisees and religious scholars, they literally would decide who got to hear about the teachings of God and who didn't. They would say, ah, I don't think you can hear about it. You are a notorious sinner. You come from a bad background. You're not welcomed here, so you can't learn about God. And Jesus totally broke down all those walls. I love what it says in Luke 15, verse two. It says that they listened intently. Why? Because Jesus was telling them things they had never heard before. He was telling them that I'm with you, I'm for you. There is a God who loves you and has created you. And yeah, you've messed up, but God has not given up on you yet. And he never will. And so today I want you to know that our hope has a name and our name is Jesus. And the heartbeat, what God's heart beats for is for people, for his family, for his sons and daughters to come back into his family today. That's the life-giving community that we're building, that you're a part of, and that we are gonna help people come and see on a daily basis. Would you pray with me as we step in to the message today? God, I love you so much. I'm, I'm so thankful that we get a chance to see who you are today. I'm thankful that we've had a chance to experience you and lift you up and celebrate. But right now, God, I pray that whether we're here in person or watching online, we would simply listen and lean in. We would write some notes down and we would open our hearts to you and to know that once we were lost, but now we are found. And God, right out in this hallway, I pray that you would be with all of our local city kids, build an amazing experience for them. And God, we love you, we thank you, and we cannot wait to talk and have some conversation today about who you are, about who Jesus is, what he says about us. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. We all say and agree, amen. Come on, clap your hands. Give me a shout if you're ready to jump in today. I can't wait for this conversation. I think about the Pharisees in this story, and it reminds me of of some things in my life that I've observed and seen. Uh, My wife, she has amazing taste in music, right? Like, when we started dating, I immediately got, like, way cooler, both in, like, the music I listened to, the way I dressed. Like, it was great. I was really, it was awesome. And what I've seen, though, is that she's taken me to music shows, and we've always had a great time at them. But what I love is uh, she started following some bands that were really popular, artists that were really popular, before they got popular. 
And so one of the things that she would begin to kind of complain about about the music that she used to love was that, man, I remember when I used to see that band for like 20 bucks at like the underground venue downtown, and now it's like 100 bucks packing out the Amelie Arena, and it's like, I can't go anymore. It's too expensive. It's funny that I think I've done that too with things in my life when, you know, the lightning were really bad, when our hockey team were, were, was really bad. It was really cheap to go to a game. Like you could get to the top level for like 20 bucks. That was awesome, and I would go because I was a real fan, even when they were bad, right? But now that they're good, it costs like three times that to get up in the nosebleeds now just because they've won the Stanley Cup back-to-back, right? And for me, I'm like, man, I kind of miss the days they were bad because I could get in for cheaper. Isn't it funny that sometimes we look through this lens of how we're affected and the cost that it costs us to do things that we enjoy? Pharisees are walking through the same thing. They were the ones, the religious people, they were the ones that had the culture believing that they had the one-way track to God, that you had to go to them to learn about God. You had to go to them to learn about the love that God had for his people and and how you found freedom and forgiveness and who he was. And, man, they built out these, these crazy rules and rituals that people had to follow, and it was so much more legalistic than a loving relationship anymore. And that's the things that Jesus was really breaking down. And what Jesus was really doing for people was creating an atmosphere where they could feel like they belong before they believe. And I want you to know that's our atmosphere here at Local City. That we want you to know that you may have different beliefs or you may have questions. First and foremost, we want you to understand that you belong here. Just like what Jesus was saying. But here's the thing, it doesn't stop there. We, hope, we pray for you every day. We pray for people that come into this place that they would one day believe and believe even more who Jesus is and who he says they are so that you can become who God created you to be. It's moving from just belonging to believing, then actually trusting, surrendering, and becoming who God created us to be. And that's what we see in this story. See, I grew up in a time before cell phones really were popular to all kids. Like, I remember when my mom would drop me off places, it was like, okay, meet me here at this time. What? I think about saying that to my son in, a, in 10 years or whenever, when I'm dropping him off at a place to hang out. No, nah, man, you're going to have the cell phone. You're going to be able to call one number, and it's going to be my number, and I'm going to have you on the little friends tracker so I can see where you're walking and where you're going, but I'm going to be able to contact you at any time. It was when, I remember when we would go to an amusement park like Disney World. I remember I was, you know, I was a youth pastor for a long time, and we would go to this event. There was this all-night event at Disney World, and I would always tell the high school students, hey, you got to check in halfway through the night because I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on. So if you can check in about halfway through, it's going to help my sanity. And I would say, meet me here at this time. Again, it was before a lot of them had phones. Meet me here at this time. And some of them would be really great. You could always tell the kids who, you know, understood authority and listen to their parents and they would show up right on time then you had the problem kids and uh, you had the ones that would show up oh I totally forgot or we got stuck in line but just this whole idea of meet me here at this time like Disney World meet me at the teacups at four o'clock if you don't I don't know what's going to happen I'm going to lose you I don't know where you're going to be on Saturdays, Adrian and I, we usually leave our, one of us at least leaves our phone at home because it's kind of our Sabbath 24-hour period. And so we don't want to be on our phones while we're trying to talk to each other and, and love on Shepherd and have great family times. What we've realized, though, is when we go to Target and some, one of us takes Shepherd to the toy section and the other one goes and does the grocery shopping, panic ensues after like 10 minutes. Because it's like, oh, how, 
how am I going to find my wife without her phone? Like, what am I going to do? Like, like, am I going to have to go to the front and intercom? Adrian, your husband is looking for you. He's crying and scared, and he's got a child with him. Is that yours? Right? It's, we panic rather than, oh, I just got a call, right? Well, see, the thing I love about this is that Jesus is establishing this, hey, this is the place where you can meet me. This is the place I'm always going to be. Where can you meet God? In the presence of Jesus. Where is the presence of Jesus? Wherever you go. Because we believe when you allow Jesus to come into your life and trust him with your life, he goes with you wherever you go. This is what he's talking about in Luke chapter 15. Let's read it. Luke chapter 15, verse 3 through 7, it says this. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Would you underline that phrase for me? Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home. Would you underline joyfully carry it home for me? He'll carry it home on his shoulders, and when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep in the same way. I love this. There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Man, I love this parable because Jesus is saying he loves to find lost things. He goes and searches for the things out there. If you want to write this down, uh, biblical scholars have shown that the one really amazing new thing, Jesus built on a lot of what had already been taught about God, and he realigned and he refocused what God was trying to do through the Old Testament and in generations past about who he was and his character. But the one new thing that Jesus really taught and really exemplified for people through his teachings and through his life is this one, I want you to write it down. The one thing to remember is that God actually searches for the lost. That was the, the main big thing Jesus was teaching people, that God is searching for you, that you may feel lost today. You may feel like there is no hope for your situation or what's going on in your life, in your relational life, in your work life, or just even in your faith. You may feel lost. I promise you today, God is searching for you. I promise you today, God is walking with you. He's left the 99 He's going after the one that may feel lost. What Jesus was teaching was an individuality love that God had for his people. That yes, he loves us, but he loves you as well. Yes, he knows what's going on in our lives, but he also really understands what's going on in your life. He's searching for you. It is easy to get lost, though. I mean, sometimes we think that we get lost because of things that we do or wrong turns that we take. I mean, I am very much committed and trust probably a little too much the Google Maps app on my phone. I like to where I use it just to get places that are 10 minutes away, just because it's easy, right? But it's easy to get lost, and God knows that. I mean, he created us, and immediately we did the wrong thing within a very short time. But in that moment, what does it say? In the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, when Adam and Eve sin and mess up, what is the first thing that God does? He goes on a search for them in the Garden of Eden. Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? What are Adam and Eve doing? Hiding. Sometimes we feel lost in our own hiding from God. But God still is out there searching for them. He's still today calling your name, searching for you. He's left the 99. 
Listen, everybody, if we've said yes to Jesus, yeah, God is going to show up in our life and he's gonna perform miracles and he's gonna do amazing things. But he is even more so focused on bringing people into this house so they can come and see what he's done for them. He's, yeah, we can celebrate that because that is really powerful and it's something that could, could totally change our lives. Because the Pharisees and religious people of the day, their thought was us for no more. It's just about us. You, no, 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 you gotta do all the right things. You gotta go through what we went through to earn the right to know God, okay? It's not how it works. See, our hearts, number one, needs to always be focused on God, but also focused on others. Remember, Jesus is our hope, people are our heart. See, it's one thing to remember that God actually searches for his people, but how does it go further? Here's what Jesus does. Jesus carries us home and there is a party. I love parties and I love being invited to parties. And what happens with the shepherd is he runs out, gets his sheep, and then he go, comes back and calls all of his friends together, gets all the sheep together and says, hey, we found what was lost. Let's celebrate. Puts on a feast out there because he's so excited he's found what was lost. And I love that maybe some of the guys were like, hey, hey, bro, like you had 99 left. Why leave for the one? Well, because the one has a name and that name has a story and that story matters to me and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to go search them and find them and help them get back home. See, some of us, we think that we are obligating God to be involved in our life. That God wants nothing to do with me, Ryan, because of the mistakes I've made. Or I've got difficult frustrations in my beliefs. Can I tell you one of the most freeing things we can understand is that statement where it says the shepherd joyfully carries the sheep home? Like that is really a powerful for me. Because it reminds me, that I just need to let go and let God a lot of times. That I don't need to figure anything out. That I gotta work, I gotta, I gotta do the things, I gotta live my life, I do have to do that. I gotta be proactive, I gotta own things. I mean, there's moments where I just need to realize I'm just gonna be joyfully carried home by the Lord is my shepherd type stuff today because I can't do this on my, home, on my own. And I love the fact that he literally says in all of these stories, not just the first one, that there's a party when that thing is found. Just to let you know, it's okay to smile, laugh, and have fun in this place we call church. All right, it's okay to do that. Jesus got invited to parties. I am never inviting someone to a party I'm throwing, that as soon as they walk in, they say, ah, that music, ooh, not supposed to be playing that. Oh, what are, you, what are you wearing over there? You not shouldn't be wearing that. Oh, this food, ugh, unclean. I'm not inviting anyone like that because that just sucks the life out of the room. But Jesus was invited because he was an uplifter of environments. He was a carrier of joy, not only truth and grace, but also joy and love for people. That's what... He was building, and that's what we get to be a part of. That's what we say, come and see just a welcoming environment. Yeah, I'm gonna speak some truth to you. Actually, in a little bit before Luke chapter 15, we see where Jesus speaks some harsh truth, and people in that moment are like, oh, all right, I'm out of here. I knew, I knew that was coming. But guess what? They come back because they realize, man, Jesus loves them so much, he's being honest with them. He searches us out, carries us home, throws a party. I love Psalm 23, and you can kind of relate Psalm 23 a lot to Luke chapter 15. Psalm 23 is called the most relational chapter in the Bible. 
the most amazing intimate invitation of the character of God in our life. In the very first verse, it's the most famous chapter in the Bible. You got John 3, 16, the most famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then you've got Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I love that phrase. Woo! There is some freedom in that statement. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Meaning that if I have my shepherd, I have everything that I need. See, David, who wrote Psalm 23, he was a shepherd, so he understood the power of this. As a shepherd, he understood the care a good shepherd has for his sheep. David went to war with lions and bears to protect his sheep. Me, I'm like, okay, I'll find some more. Lion, have at it. I'm not, that's why I'm not a shepherd. That's why I live in the city. I don't have a farm. But David did. He was out tending and caring for the sheep. He knew their names. He knew what the individual characteristics of each of them. He would play music for them. I mean, wow, that is a good shepherd. And he, and he realizes, though, that he doesn't even compare to the good shepherd that is Jesus. See, Jesus in the character of God is referred to as a shepherd over 100 times in the Bible. And really great parents name their kids shepherd. I'm just what I've heard. Uh, it's just what I've heard. I don't know if it's true, but it's what I've heard. But what I love about this is that the Bible also compares us to sheep. Just give, some, give, this, give the person next to you a little nudge and tell them, hey, you're a sheep, just so you know, just so you know. Now, I'm not talking about the way that term's been hijacked by our social media friends out in the world. <laughs> what I'm talking about, though, is it is the way God refers to us. Why? Because at times, sheep are very dumb. Actually, all the time, sheep are very dumb. They, they can't even find their own source of nourishment. They have to be led to it. They have to be led to green grass. That's what the shepherd has to do. And then when they find that grass, they will just sit there and stare down at the ground because they also can't see very well, and they will just eat it until it's all gone, but they'll keep eating until it turns into dirt and, like, gross. And they'll just keep sitting there, and they'll actually starve to death because they haven't been able to, no one's led them away from this patch. They'll destroy the grass that was once nourishing them. Sounds like Maybe us sometimes, that we take good things and they become bad things, but the way we indulge ourselves in them. They, be, they become this idea that even sheep, if they don't get sheared, if they don't get kind of their hair cut, they are going to weigh down and die. And sometimes God needs to come in and cut some things away from us so that we can keep moving forward in our life. See, some of us were complaining about the things that maybe we've lost or God's removed from our life. And he's like, you better be thankful that I did because you had no idea what was coming down the road. And it's so key. It's so key. I mean, the life of a sheep, I mean, it's pretty much it, right? Wake up, eat, move. Eat, move, bah, right? Yeah. Eat, move, sleep. Wake up, eat, move, eat, move, bah, eat, move, sleep. Kind of sounds like my life. Wake up, eat, move, eat, Move, ah, I'm hungry, eat, move, go to sleep, right? It's just that unhealthy routine. And what I love about this idea that we are sheep and God is our shepherd is that he is going to lead us. Good shepherds, they never drove the sheep from the back. Like, hey, let's go. They didn't do that. They led from the front, giving the sheep an understanding that, number one, you have a focal point that you can always focus on, that you can always look above other people and look above the situation and look through the storm and see the shepherd is leading the way that he would destroy the things before they even got there. They just had to follow their shepherd one step at a time. 
And if they got out of line, he had to, you know, that was the whole hook on the cane. Hey, come on back, come on back. And then he had the rod to, to defend, as we'll talk about later, to attack off the enemy. Because sheep were prone to wander. Here's the thing, though. Why are we prone to wander? I want to give you three quick things. So we are sheep a little bit. Sheep wander. Why are we prone to wander? Well, number one is that we wander when we want something. So we don't just wander and get lost when we do something wrong. Sometimes it's because we want something. What was the first verse of 20, Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want some of the biggest derailments I've had in my life is because I've wanted something that God didn't want for me, and I ran way over here, and God, of course, searched for me, but it took a little while to bring me back on track. And God will always do that. He will always redirect and bring you back on track. It's the goodness of who he is. Man, sometimes I want something, it makes me prone to wander. The second thing is when I'm afraid. When I'm afraid, when I'm afraid of that next step. Sheep, when they're afraid of the next step, they'll just stop walking, and they'll actually begin to Go to the back, and as we've ever watched anything on National Geographic or on the Discovery Channel, who gets eaten, the lag behind, the person who stopped walking. That's what happens. And the sheep will begin to exit itself from the one thing that's keeping it safe and keeping it protected simply because it's afraid of taking one more step. It's also talked about how sheep will know where the rest of the flock is, but they'll just cry and run the opposite direction because they don't understand how to get back. Sounds like us sometimes. We know we need life-giving community. We know we need to step into the things of God. We know that we need to make maybe experiencing God in his house a little bit more of a priority and be it, put it on the schedule, put it on the calendar. But we begin to, ah, fear creeps in. When, it, when it's surrendering maybe that one more thing to God, fear begins to creep in. Oh God, I can't, I can't say no to that or I can't do that or Maybe it's even fear of stretching ourselves to live the purpose-filled life God has for us. Sometimes I wander because I get afraid. The third thing is I wander because I'm striving to be valued. I think some of the biggest ways I've wandered away from God and got lost is when I've not realized that God has everything that I need. And I've tried to find it in other things, in other people, in other activities, in other successes. And I've strived to be valued when I've realized I'm already, I want you to know this today, local city church, you're already valued in the eyes of the only person who can give you value. You're already valued in the eyes of your heavenly father, and guess what? He created you, so he's the only one that can give you value, and he's the only one that can actually define what your value is. You don't have to strive to be valued anymore because your shepherd's right here with you. He's there for you. And I love this idea in Psalm chapter 23, what the chapter closes with, is that surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I get to live in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to invite the worship team back up on stage because we're going to close with one of my favorite songs we've been singing recently just about this house and what happens here. But I want to close just with that verse, Psalm 23, verse 6. The Lord, uh, the, surely your goodness and unfailing love. If I can encourage you today, one of the verses that I've leaned into really heavy in my life, especially over the last few years, is when David writes in the book of Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good, that his character is good. I have questions about what God's doing. I have questions about what's going on in our world man, if I can just take a deep breath and taste and see and remember that God is good, man, it helps me live a little bit more understanding that, man, the character of God is good, so that's all I really need to know. 
What else does it say? Not only will goodness follow me, but unfailing love. The concept of love that pursues us in Psalm 23 is this word that David would have used called hesed. And what hesed means, it's a, it's a characterization of love that details out just the lengths that love is willing to go. It is a supernatural form of love that only God can express. So what kind of love is unfailing in your life? What kind of love is chasing after you right now in this moment? A said type love, not just a friendship love, not just a I love you for what you do for me type love, but a love that is unfailing, that is committed to you, that is your good shepherd, that is even when you're lost, he is going to leave the 99 to go find you because he wants you to know that he's searching for you. He wants to carry you home. He wants to celebrate with you with the new life of forgiveness and freedom that he has for you. Come on, there is no escaping the love of God because it is unfailing. It is all powerful. It is good. It's available to you, to me, and to all of us. And we get to come and see what it's about every day. I get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. I love that. Forever means forever. Sandlot, forever. Come on. Got to remind ourselves that sometimes. Not just today, not just on Sundays, but man, you're dwelling in God's house tomorrow too because God's with you. He's walking with you forever. This is the place where we can meet up. Hey, we're right back here. When stuff gets rough, meet us right here. When you don't know what to do, Jesus says, hey, meet me right here. I'll be here with open arms, ready to listen, ready to help you, ready to breathe life into you again. Hey, when you're lost, when you don't know what to do, just turn right around, I'll be there. Man, I heard a pastor speak this into my life a long time ago, and I say it all the time. It's that you may feel a thousand steps away from God, but really you're only one. Because every step you've taken that way, God's been right behind you. Hey, as soon as you're ready to turn around, I'm here. Where's the fall on us? We, got, we do got to turn around. We do got to turn around and surrender to him and say, God, I can't do this without you. I want to show you a picture. Uh, this little girl, uh, her name is Jessica McClure, if we have the picture. Super cute. I love those glasses. I almost look like the ones I'm wearing. But this was a little girl that she was playing in her family's yard probably 20 years ago. And she fell in a well in the backyard and got trapped. And it became this nationwide focused on the news of, are they going to get this little tiny toddler out of this well? Her family was distraught, and they had professional engineers and excavators and rescue workers trying to get down this tight little space to rescue this little girl. And through just the hard work of our people and the hard work of intelligent people and people willing to do whatever it takes to bring this little girl out of this hole back to life. It was broadcast live on the news. She was rescued out of this hole. And at the time, Ronald Reagan was president and he said, during this time, all of us were fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Because for one moment, we cared about this one life. We left the 99 and cared about this one life that was lost. I tell you today that that statement is what God would say about us today. That, hey, there's a lot of lost people out in the world today. And we all need to be fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters to go help them be found and to go help them know that there's a God who cares for them and to do whatever it takes to celebrate when they're pulled out of that 
pit of darkness or brokenness or sin or mistakes and they can realize they have life with the Son of God, with Jesus. That's who we are. The last three things I want to give you as we close. In this place, what people get to come and see is that the door is always open. Door's open. So many people feel like the door is closed to them. That the door to Jesus, the door to life, the door to purpose and joy has been closed. We are here to remind them, no, the door is not open. I mean, the door is open. The door is not closed. You can always walk through, no matter what, that you can walk into the life and experience that God has for you. It's one of the things I loved about my parents, man. I was growing up, even no matter how late I would come home, my dad would be up on the couch waiting for me to get home. My mom would pretend that she was asleep. She wasn't asleep. She was waiting for me to get home. They always say the same thing. Hey, the door will be open. And if not, you always have your key. I want, we people need to know the door is always going to be open. And they always have a key to get in as well. That's us holding the door for them. We'll let them in too. Second thing is this, that there's a seat that's saved for you. Meaning that there's stories, there's all types of stories in here. And there's a seat open so that someone could come and sit in it and it's been saved for them knowing that they are needed and they're known and they're valued and they're cared for and they're cared about. Man, the door is open. There's a seat saved for you. Some of us, we needed to know that. Someone invited us into this place. We needed to know there was a seat saved for us. The third thing is, is we can experience joy again. I love this idea of joy, that we can laugh, that we can cry together, that we can have fun we can give you a cool little mug as a gift and maybe that brings you joy tomorrow. So what's, what's it about? It's about experiencing joy in our life. I want you to know today when it comes to the life that Jesus offers you, the door is always open. There's a seat saved for you. God knows what you've gone through. And you can experience joy again today. Come and see, the Lord is good. Come and see a God who searches for the lost and carries us home and celebrates with us. He'll leave the 99 for the one, and when we get found, the Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Thank you so much for joining us on The Local Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only He can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to local church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to local.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.